y'all have been driving for quite some time, and I'm sure you've seen maybe a total of a handful of accidents in your life driving. Imagine you see that every single day, and you're the person going to the car, pulling them out. Welcome to Beyond the Rig. Real, authentic, and driver-focused. All things trucking. This is Beyond the Rig. Here are your hosts, Linda Dominey and Will Phipps. All right. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Rig. I'm Linda Dominey, and if you can see next to me, that I'm, is not Will Phipps. I am not Will Phipps, and I'm telling you, I'm like missing Will right at this moment. I know. But it's really great. It's really great to be back with you, Linda, and not just with a one more story, Corey. <laughs> it's really great. Well, as you can see, for those that are that are, uh, are watching, and if you're listening, hopefully you recognize that is Corey Webster. Uh, Will Phipps is on vacay. Like, who said he could go on vacation? I don't know who. I don't know who let him out. I don't but, either. But I will tell you that um, because I was missing him, I called him. Oh. To see how his vacation was going. Now, how often do you get called when you're on vacation by somebody at work? Because you want to forget work when you're on vacation, right? So I have to tell you this this funny story. You know, we we were hoping that Will would send a story in, but since he right. didn't, I called him up. And he answered the phone. He's huffing and puffing a little bit. I can tell there's some <laughs> something going on. And I said, Will, how are you doing? What are you doing? And he said, Oh, I'm up here with my dad trimming trees. Oh, and boy. I said, Well, well, great. That's awesome. How's your vacation going? Who who went with you? And he told me that his wife and his daughter and her boyfriend traveled with him back to Tennessee. So they're nice. having a great time. And then he said he got his mom and his dad, which have been divorced for 21 years oh. or 31 years, to get together and ha- not have a civil war <laughs> while they were there. And so, so he said he was having a great time. But as I got this visual of him on a ladder, trimming trees, he said, yeah, I didn't even hear your phone ring. Um, it wasn't until my watch started buzzing because I had a chainsaw in oh my, my other gosh. hand and his watch <laughs> starts buzzing and he's trimming trees and now he's talking to me on the phone. So he's got a chainsaw on one hand, he's climbed up the ladder and now with the other hand is talking oh on my. the phone. And that, isn't that just Will? Oh, that's 100% Will. Like, I would expect nothing else. I would expect nothing else. But anyway, <laughs> he, we sent him on a mission out to Tennessee, not only to, you know, get some R&R, but to try a new hobby. <laughs> and I mean, his he new, is from and Tennessee. His new ho- we, 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 we challenged him to see if he would go noodling. And so <laughs> he contacted... His dad's neighbor just right. He said he's a country boy right next door, and told him that uh, he'd like to do that. And so on Friday, oh boy, he's going noodling. As long as he will supply, Will will supply him a twelve pack. There you go. That's all it takes. And, and noodle is coming his way. And noodling I'm, is. I ain't gonna is lie. I'm a little way. scared for him. I wa- I watched a couple of episodes on YouTube about noodling, and I'm the same way. Yeah, like I seen one where the guy, the fish was like massive. Like they, he's not gonna, he's gonna come out with no arm. I guess it's time to introduce our guest. I'm really excited for our guest today. So he's a driver, but he had a prior career, which is pretty interesting. I can't wait to dive into it. 
Um, he's been with us for four years. Exactly. And he's a good old boy. He's a good old boy from Gulfport, or at least he drives out of the Gulfport um, terminal. We'll find out exactly where he's from, but his name is Walter Dukes. Walter, welcome to Thank Beyond you. the Rig. Thank you. We're excited to have you. <coughs> but before we get started, I want to prove to you that he's a good old boy. Okay. How do you pronounce dog? How do you say dog? Dog. Yeah, there, there it go. is. That's there right. It's D A W G. That's right. <laughs> and I and I and I heard him talking about his dog, and uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. But that's when I knew immediately you are a good old boy. <laughs> Can't help it. Everywhere I go, I'm immediately pegged as the guy from the south. Guy yeah. from the south. I love a southern accent. And for the record, I love that you say "can't" because <laughs> I do too. <laughs> So, did you grow up in Gulfport? I did. I, I grew up in Gulfport, Mississippi. Spent the majority of my life there. And um, the just the past couple of years, I've moved to Greenville, Alabama, which oh. is much more y'all than Gulfport, Mississippi. <laughs> I didn't realize that was possible. It, yes, very much so. Wow, I didn't either. I thought that that would be pretty much the same, but no, huh? Even, even if people from Mississippi and Alabama, they'll both tell you that if you're from, if, if you live and are raised on the coast, it's almost like it doesn't count. It's, that's not the truth south. You have to go a little bit further north and get into the Bible Belt or the Pine oh. Belt, and that's where I am now. And <laughs> then you're considered a true a southerner. A true southerner. Oh. So what, now I know. Yeah, what took you to Greenville? Well, um, is it Greenville? It's Greenville. Yeah. Georgiana. It's four or five different names for the same area. <laughs> Pine trees. But um, a couple of years ago, I met my now current wife, and she was from Alabama. And uh, I just figured it was time to change some scenery anyway. So I said, why not? Let's go see a new place. But where did you meet her at? Did you meet her in Gulfport? I did. Oh, I did. okay. I met her in Gulfport. And um, it just took off from there. Okay. So then you moved over to Greenville. I followed her over there. <laughs> and how is it? It's great. It's it's so hard to even put into words how I had an entire life before this. You know, my, I had a my previous wife, previous career. You know, it's almost like I met her at the perfect point when my entire life was changing into a new one and it was a complete fresh start and not many people get that opportunity. And I was smart enough at the time to see that I had that opportunity and uh, I snatched it and ran with it and never looked back. And it's been amazing. Really? Wow. And as a matter of fact, night transportation had a huge part to play in that. Um, If it hadn't have been for night, and the career that I've had with them, I'd probably still be in Gulfport. So thinking of Gulfport, um, a number of years ago, there was a huge hurricane that went through there. Were you there at the time? I was. And as a matter of fact, I was in Biloxi, Mississippi. I had an apartment on the beach um, when that came through. And a lot of people, when they hear of Hurricane Katrina, they think of New Orleans. Always, yeah. But that's not where the hurricane actually made landfall. 
the hurricane was like the like right in the center, right? Well, the problem, the center of it went more over Hancock County, Mississippi, <laughs> closer to Bay St. Louis. Mm-hmm. But the worst part of a hurricane, as most people know, is that northeastern quadrant, which right. is right. what hit us head on. And there was just nothing left standing. So um, did you lose your apartment? Like, was everything? Oh, it was demolished. Everything was gone. Oh I lost gosh. everything. I had to start over from scratch. But I was fortunate in the sense that my family was amazing. And uh, they helped get us get me on my feet. Wow. Because I had just had my first daughter who was only, I think she was born August 5th, and it hit at the end. So she was three or four weeks old. Oh, my gosh. When that storm hit. So where did y'all go? Where did you go and uh, take cover? Well, initially we went to Hattiesburg, thinking that that would be, that's far about an hour north, north yeah. of the coast. And we figured that would be far enough north to at least you know, avoid the main brunt of the storm, but just so happened that's where all the tornadoes were. Oh, my God. So we were fortunate. We were in one of the only houses that made it uh, off of Hardy Street, which is the main street that runs through downtown Hattiesburg. Um, So we made it, and then the next day, uh, my father and I, a friend of mine had evacuated with us. He had a 4 by 4 truck. So the three of us piled in the truck, and headed south. Took us, I think it was about five or six hours to travel an hour's distance. And uh, when we got down there, there was nothing there. Ours was all gone. My parents' house was left standing. Oh wow! Were they north of the interstate? They well, no, they were south of the interstate, but they were in a perfect position to have been protected from most of the wind, wind and water, and the surge, the right. storm surge. Right. So the railroad tracks that runs through Gulfport and Biloxi, that was really what stopped most of the surge. So if you were north of that and you could survive the wind, you did okay for the most part. So Well, I was traveling um, through Gulfport a few years ago and I, you know, everybody remembers Katrina Mm -hmm. and we saw the devastation on, on, you know, the television and the news channels. But until you drive there and then someone who lives there shows you and tells you about what was there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, residences, businesses, and homes and buildings, and they're no more. They're yeah. completely gone. Then you realize how devastating it, it really, really was. was. You can still see scars in the concrete <laughs> in the asphalt from what was left behind. It was, it was horrible. I still can't watch videos. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people will look up videos and want me to watch it with them and tell them about it, but I can't do that. Yeah. So were you a sheriff working for the sheriff's department at that time yet? I was not with them yet. Um, I didn't go into the sheriff's department until 2009, um, so that was several years after. Um, I did, however, work with several guys who were with police departments at the time Katrina came through. As a matter of fact, a lot of them were with the Pass Christian Police Department. And it was, I think my entire shift at the time was there. And they would tell me stories where they were all trapped in the public library in downtown Pass Christian when the water was coming up. Wow. As a matter of fact, there's a video on YouTube that a lot of people see um, during the hurricane that was recorded from inside of a building looking out two glass doors, mm-hmm. that was them. 
in the oh, library. Wow. And the water was coming up to the point to where they said they had to shoot the doors out to get out of there. Because they couldn't push them out. They couldn't yeah. push them out. We had a, um, and you might not remember wow. this, Linda, but we have a terminal in Gulfport, obviously. And it was built, I think, on the north side of the highway there. Yes. So, so it escaped, you know, the, the brunt of the, of the damage and the storm surge. And we had um, and have diesel generators there for backup power. And mm-hmm. I remember that for a few days, the um, law enforcement used our terminal because we had power mm-hmm. as a communication center. So, so when you return back... To Gulfport, then what did you do? I mean, if you didn't have a place to live, then what? Well, at the time, I was married to my my first wife. Um, she had family that lived in Oklahoma. Hmm. So that was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make. I had to leave my family behind and because I was really the only able-bodied male in my family. You know, my father was getting older, and my mom and my sister, and... Uh, they finally convinced me that they would go stay at my uncle's house in Hattiesburg. So I would leave and take my young daughter with me. So I did, and we went and stayed with her family in Oklahoma and just did odd jobs until it was okay enough, safe enough to be able to come back and start work. And at that time, if you couldn't go to work, you went to Able Body, which was a construction company down there that just put people to work daily. Yep, so try to rebuild. That's what I did to make money until I got picked up by a construction company. Thank God. And uh, time went on from there. Eventually, everything slowly started to heal and come back and looks far more beautiful today than it did even before the storm. So definitely thankful for that. So there's always a silver lining, right? A bright spot. It's hard to (laughs) see it because of how much loss there was. But, yes, we were able to get... um, a lot of nicer new buildings and yeah. new civic centers and things like that. And a lot of the businesses were able to come back for because of insurance and um, they built back better. That's um, nice. And a lot of the downtown area in Gulfport tried to keep that older nostalgic feel. So a lot of them have that older style to them, but they're brand new inside. It's really pretty. Yeah, that's awesome. So when did you finally move back? It's hard to really pin down a time. I think we were only up there for, we were only in Oklahoma, I think, for about a month. Oh, and wow. And we came back so I could get to work because I was getting phone calls how much money everybody was making. You know, the like, blue-collar guys were making money they'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. So we rushed home to, to take advantage built. of that. Wow. And so from there, how long did it take before you joined the sheriff's department? Well, um... I stayed in construction for quite a while, and it just never fit. You know, it just didn't feel, I didn't want to go to work. So finally, one day in <coughs> 2009, 2010, right around the cusp there, I decided that I was going to do what I always wanted to do and go into law enforcement. Wow. But I had no idea how to get started <laughs> because... If if you don't go to a police department and get hired right there on the spot, how do you do it? Go to a police academy? 
Exactly. But how do you do that? Well, Wynn Job Center, which is a place that helps people get jobs. I don't know if y'all have anything like that over here where they look for careers that are open and take applicants and search for things that fit them. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a government grant that was helping people get into law enforcement that didn't have an agency. So I signed up with them. The I got approval for the grant and started the academy on my own as a self-sponsor. Oh, wow. So I went through the nine-week academy on my own. And then when I graduated top of my class, I was immediately picked up by the Harris County Sheriff's Office. So that was... So it worked out perfect. Worked out perfect. Mm. Wow. And it, Sometimes it it's out. not that easy. Sometimes it's people not. apply and they don't make it through the academy mm-hmm. or they don't get picked up right away because of hiring freezes or whatever that's going on. So that was pretty pretty fortunate. Well, and the, the other part to that is since I was a self-sponsor, I didn't get paid the entire nine weeks. I didn't have a paycheck for nine weeks. So being so, able to get picked up right away was a blessing. Oh, it was a blessing. Yeah, for Big sure. Big time. And um, that once I was hired on with them, my life completely changed. So How was so? It, Tell us. And was it... Everything that you were, I mean, that was your dream, right? Was to be. Oh, absolutely. I'd wanted to do that since I was a child. But as you can tell, I'm not the largest guy in the room. So it was difficult for people to see me being able to do that. Um, You know, being able to take down people five times my size. And, um, you know, it, it was nerve-wracking but so exciting at the same time because I was fixing to do something that a lot of kids dream about. Right. And um, I loved what I did, but it was the biggest awakening I'd ever had in my entire life. Just the first couple of weeks in training, going out with these guys and seeing what they encounter on a daily basis is insanity. Wow. People outside of law enforcement that, you know, and a lot of them love to criticize law enforcement, have no idea. Try to imagine that you come to work, mm-hmm. and every day all you deal with is people at their absolute worst. The worst day of their life, that's when you're dealing with them, trying to help them. And it's... There's so much negative that's involved in it. It's really hard to stay in a good mind space. Um, And it's even harder not to take it home with you. So there were so many more challenges than I expected right out of the gate that um, I was nervous. But luckily, my next-door neighbor was a senior deputy. Oh. So I got to converse with him and um, learn different ways to cope. And um, it definitely made a difference. And once I got used to everything, it was a whole nother world. Yeah, I imagine that would be tough not to take it home. I could, I could totally see that. And you know, and I've never heard of it described that way, but that totally makes sense. You're right. You are, you're having your one day. The, everybody else is having their worst day. Mm-hmm. And every call that you're dealing with is the worst day that person i've never seen it i've never seen it that way but man that's a heck of well another good way to put it is y'all have been driving for quite some time and i'm sure you've seen 
maybe a total of a handful of accidents in your life driving. Yep. Right. And there, some of them are pretty bad, I guess. Imagine you see that every single day, and you're the person going to the car, pulling them out. Oh, wow. An incident that I always remember, um, I was actually off duty, and I was going to the store. I needed to get my, <laughs> my drink of choice there. <laughs> and uh, before I got there, I saw a car run a stop sign. And as soon as he ran the stop sign, it was an immediate puff of white smoke, but not normal white smoke. Something looked different about it. He had crashed into a building. So I ran over there in my truck and hopped out and immediately could smell what the problem was. It was chlorine gas. I immediately recognized it. And as soon as I noticed that that's what it was, all I could do was try to get tell everybody to get back because right. it wasn't normal smoke. You know, chlorine gas in the right consistency can kill you on impact. Right. Luckily, it was diluted enough to where it didn't immediately, so I was able to jump the fence and pull the guy out. But once I got him out, he wasn't able to stand. The, the gas had been... Too much. ...had taken effect on him, and so we weren't able to get out of the fence. We had to sit in this fog and wait for the fire department to get there to come cut us out. Oh, my gosh. So you were inhaling this, too. They were the only ones that had the, the equipment right. to be able to get to us. So we sat in there for about four or five minutes, and uh, that was rough. That was my first brush with, is this it? Am I going to make it? it? Right. Yeah. And um, I got to the hospital. It was okay. The, the gentleman actually made it. It took six to seven months of intensive care in a, with a pulmonologist, and, and he made it. But um, that was definitely one of the craziest, craziest days. And that kind of thing could happen every day. Right. So, so the, thinking back on, on that experience at the sheriff's department <laughs> and now <coughs> driving thousands and thousands of miles as a, as a, as a driver – do you think about, does that affect how you approach safety? Oh, absolutely. There are so many things that working at the sheriff's department did to prepare me for this that I didn't even think would be, you know, would coincide with the two. But it did. Driving 600 miles a day in a patrol car, now I'm driving 600 miles a day in a big truck. Right. Which is funner. Oh, <laughs> Driving a big truck, for sure. <laughs> right, that's, that's awesome. Good, good to hear. It's fun to be in a high-speed chase, and everybody wants to do it, but that's only fun the first couple of times, and then you realize how dangerous it really is. Yeah. In the big truck, all I got to do is kick back and make sure it stays between these lines, and that's it. It's so peaceful. And, um, you know, the, the safety aspect that you were talking about, knowing – a lot of the things that I learned with the sheriff's department because we did motor carrier as well. Mm -hmm. So we learned a lot about the hazards of um, different situations and it, it definitely taught me how to walk instead of run when it comes to an accident or anything upon anything like that. As a matter of fact, um, I had a trainee with me. Um, I think it was, Several months back, we came upon an accident that had just happened. It was a flatbed truck hit a Jeep. Oh. And the flatbed truck was hauling the uh, those heavy coils, those metal coils. Oh, wow. 
Well, when they impacted, the coils came loose and ran over the truck and flattened the truck. Oh, my goodness. The driver of the truck was okay, but the driver of the Jeep was a different story. But instead of running up on that, I walked up while everybody else is running, and as they got close, they didn't realize there was oil everywhere, and they slipped and fell and were in the oil. So it definitely prepared me in a lot of different ways for driving a truck. Wow. So you're talking about how in the sheriff's department, and I just had this crazy thought that how you come upon people on their worst days, I'll just verify that whenever, if I'm ever driving somewhere and I see lights, that's your worst there, just remember. it all of a sudden becomes my worst, <laughs> my worst day. And you know, I've been pulled over too since then, yeah. and it happens to me too. My heart sinks. <laughs> like... <laughs> But I know I'm not doing anything wrong. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's just a natural reaction to it. And uh, yeah. that's funny that you say that. Yeah. So even, but it also even should the, change even, your mindset, knowing that they've had a bad day constantly, always dealing, so that when you're dealing with them, be nice, be positive. And, and maybe it wasn't, didn't really happen to me, but may, people were telling me that's how they feel. <laughs> hey, I've been, I've been pulled over many a times. But I'm never mean to the officers. Thank goodness. Yeah. Normally so, they let me go. So I would also <laughs> wanted to ask you, you said something about not taking it home. Yeah. Because that's a ver- stressful. But that would be good advice for anybody in for any, any job. job. So do you have any? It is. It absolutely is. There's always, there's, there's always going to be, unfortunately, negatives in, yeah. in anything that you do. Right. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize with their spouse being at home, they have, I hate to say it like this, but they have their life, you have your life. Because we're gone oh, yeah. so often that it's two completely different worlds sure. until they collide. And when you bring negative into the house with you, the atmosphere is going to change. Oh, yeah. Whether you intend it or not. So the best advice that I can give people is when you get home, the first thing you should do, obviously, is just hug your family, but pick one positive thing, one really cool thing that you saw on the road that month that really stands out and yeah, tell them a story it. about it. Once, once you're able to do that, it's almost like a switch in your brain turns off from negative to positive. I know it sounds crazy, but... That's if you just advice. get one positive story out, it can change your headspace. You know, because you've got your family who's missed you and running up and wanting to hug you, and now you're telling them a positive story, and it's almost like the negative just melts away. And they're and asking questions about the story, so right. now you're diving into it more. I could totally right. see that. And I know that's not always possible. You know, your partner is there to help. And save that story for later. When the kids aren't there. Right, yep. for sure. And all that's you such know, great advice. And not necessarily just for the kids not being there, but give yourself a moment to kind of acclimate to being back home and try to test the waters and see, you know, how's your partner feeling? Is yeah. something going on in their world, you know, and, and you throw a bunch of negative on top of it and all it does is make the situation worse. You know, if you start with a positive, it's a lot easier to work your way through than if you start with a negative. True statement. I totally agree with that. And that's, that's a that, great that is that's a great advice. Great advice. It's, it's worked for me and and it but it hadn't always been that way. When 
you know, my, my prior career with my previous marriage. And you see, there's a lot of priors and previous there. Right. It didn't, it didn't always work like that. And I, I did bring a lot of it home with me and I saw how it affected it. The negative it. affected the whole atmosphere of my family. And uh, I just made a conscious decision when I started doing this. Night gave me an opportunity to change my whole life around. It was up to me to take it. So I did. And I changed how I saw things and what I brought home with me. And ever since then, my life has been completely different. So how long were you with the um, Sheriff's Department? I was with the Sheriff's Department for 10 years, 10 or 11 years, right around in there. And so what brought you to trucking? Well, funny, um, when I was with the Sheriff's Office, part of our patrol area was a building on County Farm Road north of the interstate, which was night transportation. (laughs) And I passed it almost every single day, and I always saw how clean they kept their equipment. And it just always fascinated me how the thought of being able to get in a camper and travel the country. I always wanted to do that. Um, I didn't start with night right away when I left the Sheriff's Department. So I saw other companies, and the equipment was just never maintained the way I wanted it. Because if I'm going to live in this thing, I want it to be clean. So I finally... I just said, you know what, I'm just going to call them. So I did. And this gentleman answered the phone, and it was, he was nice as he could be, and I'd always heard the bigger companies treat you like a number, not a person. So I was nervous. I was really nervous to call Knight because I knew how big they are. Right. Well, when this gentleman answered the phone and talked to me like he'd known me his whole life, it gave me a warm feeling right off the bat. So... It made me feel a lot more comfortable, and then I got put in a bad position with the company that I was with and was essentially stranded, so he helped get me a hotel and everything to stay in to get to night. Wow. So you had your CDL at that point, and yes. you'd been driving for a while. Yeah. As a matter of fact, just like I did with the Academy, I got my CDL by myself, I just went up there, got the book, started reading, and took the test and passed it. So once uh, once I did all that um, and got tonight and met the people there, I mean, it's just like this room here. You're not and a number. Everybody I meet knows me by name, and that's amazing for a company this size right? to be treated that way. Right. Good thing. Yeah, that's awesome. So... um you talked about what made you change and you've got your own, your CDL and got yourself in. You sound like you're a self-starter. Like you, <laughs> you know, do you get that impression? Well, yes, because he went Walter he can, self-sponsored now. Well, the thing is, I, I knew that it was my responsibility to take care of my family. And I knew that because I didn't go to college, I had limited options. You know, unfortunately these days, and it's getting more and more so, if you don't have a degree, it's very difficult to do just about anything. Um, So I knew what my options were, and I went for them. I knew this is what I have to do. It's not like I have a choice. I have kids. I have to do it, so I did it. And um, when I got my CDL, I was was actually at a very, very down time in my life. Um, You know, I wasn't with the sheriff's office anymore. I had lost just about everything I had, my home, my 
the kids, my wife, everything. So you were going through a divorce? I was going through a very, very difficult time. And, um, you know, once I got my CDL, I was with a couple of companies that, that weren't very forthcoming in what I was going to make. And so I wasn't making anything. And I was getting discouraged because I'd always been told truck drivers make good money. Right. Well, that's not always the case. And I learned very early, you've got to do research on the company that you're going to work for. Um, so when I started looking in the night, seeing the debt-free multi-million dollar company that night was, that I almost thought it was something planted on the internet. Like, how <laughs> how is that even possible? And and then I look at, you know, how their equipment was, and I said, well, I'm going to give this one more chance. And I did with Knight, and within a year, I had everything back that I had lost wow. by being with Knight. I was even remarried. I mean, everything <laughs> that I had lost... I had gotten back because of night. Wow. Well, I'm sure a lot of that had to be just who you are. The determination. And, yeah, and, and working through tough times because everybody has challenges in their lives at some point or another. He faces adversity, right? But you didn't give up. So that yeah. says a lot about you. Well, it's really all in how you react to it. Um, you know, my faith also helped me a lot because... I was looking at a situation where I had two options. I could give up, which would have been easy at the time. I had a great family. You know, my family was definitely taking care of me. I could have given up and just sat there. Or I could go out and do something about it. And and that's what I did. So, I mean, yeah, it it's because of what I did, but I made a conscious decision to do it. Right. And, you know... <clears throat> People at their worst day, you know, it's like I said, you have two options. Which one are you going to take? It's not, you know, it's like that movie. It's not about getting knocked down. It's about how you get back up. Right. So, so you know, you just, just validated something my grandfather used to say, and I always remembered this. He said, almost your exact words, he said, it really doesn't matter. Um, and he was 91 when, he, when I heard this. It doesn't matter what happens to you in this life. What matters is how you respond mm -hmm. to what happens to you or how you react to what. And that's exactly what you said. Yeah. Matters Absolutely. How you react, react to the situations. Absolutely. So when I think of the sheriff's department and then I think of trucking, I mean, they're nothing alike other than they both drive vehicles. That I mean, the, the only thing that I could even equate to being close would be the solidarity. You know, I worked for a county and they weren't, as busy and had a much wider area. So I was alone a lot of the time. Oh. And that helped me get used to that. Um, that's probably about the only thing that I could say is, is close other than the driving skills. I learned a lot of offensive and defensive driving skills that helped me a lot here. Um, but being out there on the road, you know, being by yourself all the time, a lot of people look at it negatively, but I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, it's just me and my dog, and uh, so I tell it. tell us about him. <clears throat> okay, so Loki is he's my little. I my wife calls him a palm tree. I just call him my little buddy. 
But uh, he's Pomeranian and Chihuahua mix. He's definitely a manly looking dog. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> he is some kind of special. And uh, he just climbs up on my shoulder and sits there and we drive down the road. And he sits right here looking with me. It's the craziest thing. I've never seen a dog look like that. Almost it, like yeah. a cat. It, it's like he knows what we're doing, you know, and he's driving with Where me. Where are we going? Yeah, he loves it. He loves it. Having him out there definitely makes it a lot easier. Yeah. So when you go home and Loki's with you at home, can is it a, he, 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 right? He Can he sense when you're getting ready to go back on the road? And is he oh, getting absolutely. Exci- excited about that? Absolutely. He loves spending time at home. His mom's there and his sister's there. My wife kept too, obviously. <laughs> um, they're just so cute. But uh, he plays with them. 24-7. I don't even think he sleeps the whole time he's home. But then when he sees me grab that bag, he, he knows. knows. He knows. He knows. He runs out the door, and he goes and sits by the truck, and he's waiting. It's not five minutes into the trip, he's asleep. <laughs> oh, From playing so, he, so hard. He's asleep. And he'll yeah. stay that way for about two days, and then he's up and ready to go. Oh, that is so funny. because so he's I played a, so hard. Mm-hmm. How cute. I have a little dog you've seen, mm-hmm. Ginger, and it's a she- and she's a cross between a uh, Belgian hound and a poodle. So she looks mm-hmm. like a Belgian hound, but <laughs> she's not very big. And so I want to turn her into my truck dog. To I finally got her to jump up into the pickup. Oh, really? Yeah, so she wants to go for a ride, too. So um, you were telling us, you know, I asked you, wh- why didn't you bring Loki here with us? In Inside here? Uh-huh. Yeah. Loki's... Um, one word. He's special. <laughs> he's special. I love him to death, but he's not. He spent his entire life from the time he was four weeks old, probably a little too early, but he enjoyed it. From from that time on, he's been in my truck, and he's only been at a house for a couple of days here or there throughout that entire period. So if he goes anywhere outside of the truck, it's time to potty. <laughs> That's the smart, one thing. Smart, <laughs> smart move leaving Loki in the truck. That's good. Yeah, yeah. My wife hates it, but it, it's like I tell her, well, you know, that truck is his house. Yeah. And he is. knows that's the one place he can't go to the bathroom. So as soon as he gets out, he's ready to go and he can't stop. I don't know. He's only well. this big, but I don't know how he holds it all. But oh. yeah, it's better to leave. Mark, mark his territory, yes. right? So I've been here. You know what? That's Loki's probably a lot of what it is because oh, there's other dogs that. there. It is. Yeah. It is. Loki was here, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, so for those, I'm sure people out there are wondering now, how did you name this dog Loki? Well, he's, like I said, he's special. And as you know, Loki is the god of mischief. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Most people know Loki as Thor's brother from the from exactly. the Marvel movies. That's but, where I was heading with this, but that's not where he got his name. His, Loki is the god of mischief, and if you meet Loki, you can just look in his eyes and know he's up to something. <laughs> so that's where he got his name. That is. So you looked awesome. in his eyes and said, "Okay, you're mischief, pal." Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I've got a son who's in the like this the. the the Thor movies and mm-hmm. and um, he actually, when he was in college a few years ago, decided as a hobby to make a Loki movie. Okay. And so he took all of the outtakes from all of the 
Thor movies and the Avengers and scenes from the movies and pieced them together with software and wow. made a Loki movie. Oh, that's cool. I'd like to see that. And so we were talking about it this last weekend because it was several years ago and it was out in, you know, on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And there are people that make movies as a hobby, not, you know, non-professionals like right. the studios and they have their own little forums. Well, his movie, the Loki movie he made started getting rave reviews by people, you know, who like Loki. The, f- the character, oh, yeah. Loki. And then, uh, so that went on for about a, maybe a month, and then he got a cease and desist. <gasps> from Marvel. Uh-huh, from Marvel oh. to take that to take it down. Well, it was spreading through. It was, it's already out there. And it was a, it was a two-hour movie. Wow. wow. So anyway, and now I heard they're coming out with a Loki movie. So Imagine that. Anyway, wow. so when I heard your dog was named Loki, I... Well, it's funny that you mentioned that about... <laughs> People being able to make movies, you know, technology has come so far. I was actually kind of wanting to do that. You know, a lot of people that are on the road, they have different hobbies mm-hmm. that keep them busy. Um, and I've always been interested in the YouTube channels and Facebook and stuff like that. So um, I was going to order a drone and start pretty much doing it. You know, a lot of people, they want to go on vacation. So my thought was, well, why don't I just show them what it looks like before they go and do pieces from around the country of different vacation destinations from the air. Oh, yeah. And so I I got kind of excited about doing that, and I got my stepson involved. You know, he's going to do some of the editing (sighs) because computers skipped a generation. He's a lot smarter on that stuff than I am, so... (laughs) Um, gives him something to do and me something to do, and we can connect while on the road. Yeah. So it gives me a hobby, but it also gives me another way to communicate with him. That's awesome. So I'm really You'd looking forward video, to doing that. Send them to him, and he right. can, that would be awesome. And as a matter of fact, I'm getting it with the new bonus program that Knight's done with the yearly bonus, the match of the Reopen America. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to start our page. And um, I was wanting to do a couple of night yards, too, and just have it all in there. But I think it's going to be Oh, I can't fun. wait to see that. Yeah, that's, that's great awesome. What a great idea. Because, you know, we're always looking for how do you connect when you're out over the road? You know, you got children at home. How do you connect with them? And that's a great, that's a great way. It'll give us an opportunity to be able to do that and have something more to talk about and do. For sure. Whenever you connect so with I'm a, really a looking forward hobby. to it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great. How old is he? Uh, he's 11. Or okay. no, 13. I'm sorry. 13. 13. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, oh, boy. They, they learn really young about computers and electronics and, and they program, do. programming now. Uh, it's technology's come so far so fast. I almost feel like sometimes my generation, if if you didn't keep up through the whole way, got kind of left behind in this newer generation that was born into having a touch phone, you know, a touch screen phone. Right. It, I wouldn't have known what to do with that. You know, yeah. I didn't have a touch screen phone until I was in my twenties, <laughs> and now kids at nine, ten years old are walking Flipping around through with them, yeah, like it's iPhone Elevens, and yeah. I'm like my goodness. So, so how many children do you have? Uh, well, I have three daughters myself, and then my wife has three boys and a girl. 
and her oldest daughter has a baby. So oh, so you have a grandbaby? I have a grandbaby. Is boy or girl? He's a little boy, and he is amazing. My wife just got to babysit him for the weekend, so she's napping now. <laughs> so oh, it's that's nice. awesome. Well, the best part about grandkids is you get to give them back. Give them back. That's right. <laughs> and we can all vouch for the the, uh, the benefits of being grandparents, right? And they love you no matter what yep. because mm-hmm. it's not exactly. our job to tell them no. That's right. <laughs> so speaking of grandkids and technology, my, I have a little granddaughter who, when she was two, could work. Sometimes grandma would give her a phone to play a little game on. Mm-hmm. They have those shape games and for And she em. knows how to exit out and start getting into other stuff. You know, the, two. the games are pretty incredible on the phones now, how they gear them towards children and their learning. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty, um, pretty cool. But it is amazing at the age of two, they can pick that up and just be able to know how to do it. It's just like instinct. It's crazy. The only pet peeve <laughs> I have about it is now that kids when they're when they're born with electronics in their hand there's not as much outside playing anymore true and I, I i noticed the same thing that's a true statement and that's dangerous so when i yeah. interact with them <laughs> i want to do stuff outside mm-hmm. you know have them help with a project or go camping or do something outside yep. to get them away from technology right cuz they they spend their whole life in it for sure sure so if you were going to do a commercial, you're talking about, you know, getting into another hobby for life on the road or being a driver, what would you tell someone? Oh, my goodness. Um, that maybe thinking like you did way back when, I think I, someday I might want to be a driving associate. That's a tough one because there's so many different directions that you could go with that. Um, I think the main focus should be, first and foremost, truck drivers have a stereotype. You know, a lot of people, when they think of a truck driver, they think of this big burly man, you know, that's maybe not kept. But it's nothing like that. You know, there's, um, like I said, my truck is, is very clean, and it, it's, it's my home away from home, but it's like a camper. If you want to travel the country and get paid to do it, this is how you do it. That would probably be the biggest angle to it right there. So what about some, I mean, because you've obviously been traveling now for at least four years with us. Um, What are some of your favorites, like favorite places to see on the road or favorite restaurants that you've been to? I'm more of a scenery kind of person. Yeah. Um, my favorite places to drive through at this point, Jackson Hole is definitely one of them. Yeah. I love going through Jackson Hole. Me too. So beautiful. But what a lot of people don't realize is in northeast Alabama, there's an area that is just as beautiful, and hmm. it's not as well known, so not as many people go through there. I can't even remember the name of it but i can get there (laughs) and uh that would definitely be number two yeah great but um as far as restaurants go that's kind of tough because it's it's hard to get into some of them right so do you cook on the truck i do yeah i cook and i have doordash 
Oh, um, you know, I never thought about DoorDash mm-hmm, to bring yeah. it to your truck. I didn't think of it either, and I was at a terminal. I can't remember where I was. I can't remember which terminal it was, but I walked in there with my meal for the day, which wasn't that spectacular, and it I just got hit with this aroma of Mexican food, and I was like, what is that? And the guy's like, oh, I just ordered this on DoorDash. And it's like, <laughs> technology. So I downloaded it, went back out to my truck, and ordered the same thing he had. <laughs> Roma will do it every time. And it's, it, it amazes me that, number one, I didn't realize I could do that. And number two, how many other people out there sometimes starve because they don't realize they can do it either. DoorDash is probably the easiest app that I have on my phone because, you know, there's so many of them throughout the country oh, where you yeah. can order food. DoorDash, I haven't had a problem in any corner of the country getting food. So my in-laws live in a very small town called Dublin, Georgia. I've been through there. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. really small. And um, they're just on the outskirts of the city, so it's considered country. But, I mean, it's just a couple of miles and you're in the city. Um, But they're older and it's hard for them to get out. And so we like to order them something and then have it deliver well before we used to have to order it and they'd have to go pick it up mm-hmm. well grubhub what isn't there a couple of the other ones in there doordash just opened um and now it's available there so like for their birthday we ordered food and had it delivered to the house they were so excited or mother's day or father's day whatever it may may be for the holidays now we can order food mm-hmm. and it just brings it to them so yeah well, doordash is is where it's at and i and i like that you bring that up that you could order it for them you know, uh-huh. there, there's only been maybe one or two times where I've had an issue out on the road where I was where I didn't necessarily have maybe my bank card, something was going on with the bank, and they shut it down because it seemed like somebody was trying to Fraud. use it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's happened once or twice, and I'm out in the middle of nowhere. My wife can go on her DoorDash app and send it to me. Yep. So if you're in a bind and you don't have any way to get food, yep. let your tell your partner, hey, download this app for me. <laughs> Yep. If I'm stranded and I need it, you know, because they can pay for it with their card. Right. You know, download this app, and if I'm stranded, I'll call you, <laughs> tell you what I want. Yeah. And you can do that. Yep. It's It's happened twice to me so far, and I've been able to get food. That's awesome. We should contact DoorDash, see if they'll sponsor us. I know. After this great commercial for them. So I'll tell you another DoorDash story. So my daughter, um, her her daughter is in cheerleading. And, you know, during the whole COVID, um, the kids were there in the gym, but the parents weren't allowed in the gym. So Mm -hmm. she would be sitting in the parking lot because she wasn't going to drive all the way home. And you'd be sitting there for an hour or two hours. It just depends on which practice it is. It even can be two and a half hours. So she was bored out of her mind. She she would take her computer and she would work in the car or she would watch movies. And then one of the other moms says, you know, we should sign up and do DoorDash. So... She signed up. She goes, I said, being a delivery driver, being a delivery driver. She signed up. She goes, I said, what are you doing? She goes, I'm dashing. I'm like, what does that mean? And she's like, I'm doing DoorDash. And I'm like, what? And she says, yeah, I mean, I'm sitting out here in the parking lot. Nothing else better to do. So I figured I'd dash. That's what what they call it. They're dashing. They're dashing. You know, it's funny. I did. I did Uber for a short time. When I was transitioning from law enforcement, waiting to get my CDL, uh-huh. I was doing Uber, and it, I actually did okay. Yeah, um, I'm sure. That's I'm a sure. fun little thing to do. 
So the kids, um, you've got, how, how old is your youngest? My youngest is eight years old. Oh, my goodness. Little girl, and that's my daughter. Um, all three of them are the youngest. Oh, so your kids are younger than... Well, mine is her youngest son. I guess my oldest daughter and her youngest son are close. So, but my two daughters, my two younger daughters are the youngest kids out of everybody. So, when they transition from sheriff to um, to trucking, I mean, it's different, right? And the sheriff, you get to be home every day. Mm-hmm. Trucking, you're you're not. Um, how is that? It's it's been difficult, especially on them. They don't get to see me near as much, but. Night allows people to ride with you. So it gives them something to look forward to during the summers. They can come ride with me. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's one at a time, and that, that kind of aggravates them a little bit. They all want to cram in there together, but <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's difficult, but it's great at the same time because it gives us the opportunity to spend more one-on-one time then if I'm just home, they're all fighting for my attention. So it has its drawbacks, but it definitely has its advantages too. Yeah. Um, my middle daughter, Emma, is coming with me this summer. Matter of fact, I'm hoping to go pick her up in a couple of days, and she's going to come with me. So she's super excited about that. That's awesome. And how old is she? She's 11 this year. Oh, so that gives you something to look forward to and her something to look forward to. and Absolutely. We wish you well on that. Yeah. I appreciate cool. it. Well, my mouth's watering now that we talked about aromas and food and door I'm dash. hungry now. <laughs> and, and Mexican food. Exactly. And, and Walter, we really want to thank you for being our guest on Beyond the Rig today. Well, thank I you for having me. I found it fascinating. I did too. To learn about your story and your experiences. And um, thank you uh, for taking time to share them with us. Exactly. And coming all this way. Yeah, all the way from Gulfport, Mississippi. Well, I wouldn't have been able to make it if it wasn't for my terminal. Those guys definitely made sure to get me here. Yeah. Yeah. Behind every good driver is a good terminal. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. A team. So, yeah, thank you again. And Linda, as always. It was a pleasure, Corey. It was great to be back with you. Yeah, I always enjoy hanging out with you. Let's text Will to stay another week, <laughs> okay. but not definitely not doing tree trimming. When he comes back, we're like, who's Will? <laughs> oh, Will who? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I just want to know if on the, you know, on the podcast, the intro and the outro, it says with Linda Dominey and Will Phipps. Are they going to change it? And say with Corey Webster. I'm going to say with one more story, Corey. Right? <laughs> I can good. say on the way out, I never imagined in a million years that I would work for a trucking company that has something like this. This is awesome. <laughs> so I feel so privileged to be able to work for a company that cares enough about its drivers to bring them in to do stuff like this. Hey, we're an honor to have you here with us. I mean, we wouldn't have jobs. Yeah. Without <laughs> you guys. Yeah. If there were no drivers, I would be unemployed. So, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks again. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, we want to invite our listeners to. Are you ready to try this? Because, you know, Will and I sometimes mess this up. It's smooth as glass. It's, we got to get some Will. Um, how do you call that? Some Will. Uh, Essence. Yeah. You ready? Or vibes. All right. All right, Will, don't 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 let me down. All right, ready? Ready. Thanks for watching and listening. Be sure Su- to follow us on. Oh, see, you already jumped ahead. It's subscribe us on. Let's try it again. All right. 
Try again. Okay. Thanks for watching and listening. Subscribe to us on YouTube. There you go. Follow us on Instagram. Yep. Facebook. Yep. And Twitter. There you go. And stream Beyond the Rig wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Exactly. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. We enjoyed bringing this show to you, and we hope you had fun along the way, too. We're going 1010 for now, but you can catch us on the side on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Beyond the Rig and Drive Night. Until next time, be safe out there and keep trucking.